Welcome to One Table. I'm David. This is Chris. Juice, aka well, Justin, aka Juice. <laughs> uh, Fred. Um, we are here today to answer some questions, um, begin this conversation uh, that we're calling One Table. But I guess the first question that I have for us is. What is one table? <laughs> what does one table mean to all of you? Yeah, I'll go. I'll start. Uh, one table means for me that when we are not of one mind, we should be able to be of one heart. I, I feel like that's what we have found with each other. Um, we've had lots of hard conversations with, with each other over the years, and often we don't agree but we we never walk away from those disagreements disconnected. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I feel like the the my hope for this podcast is going to be what we have found with each other right. that other people are going to find that and that that's what especially the church, the body of Christ needs to find with each other. What about you, Chris? All right, well to me like you think about a, a table, tables are uh, use a place of fellowship, you know, and communion. Like whenever you need to have a meeting with somebody, you go find a table somewhere to eat. Food mm-hmm. helps gather us. But we all know, especially with us, we all like food. But we <laughs> yes. all, just trying to say, but but we all, <laughs> and even some of us like the same food, but we have certain preferences with that okay. same food. Some of us have more preferences than others. And that'll be me. That's why. <laughs> Listen, no cheese on, no, no know, tomato, no. So we all like food and we all like some of the same foods, but we have different preferences with that. Okay. So I think with this, with this one table, it's meaning, hey, we can all be at the same table and we can bring our different preferences. We all like food, so we all have a common goal, but kind of the way we go about it yeah. may be a little different. Um, that's kind of how, how I how I think of the one tableness. The table brings us together, mm. but while we're at the table, we are able to have different dishes, mm-hmm. and everybody respects everybody's preferences on their dish. Mm-hmm. But we still having the 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 common unity yeah. Yeah. of the table. That's right. good. Yep. Yeah, to that. just bounce off of that, the idea of sharing the table it was deeply meaningful in the time of the early church, and just thinking that's why mm-hmm. people were offended that Jesus was sharing the table with some of the people we shared the table with. But as I was thinking forward to this podcast and these conversations and the idea of one table, uh, really was thinking about like Acts 10, where Peter has that vision of the sheet that comes down from yeah. the sky. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. There's all the different meats on there that were unclean, but it wasn't just about what was going to be on the table. Mm-hmm. Really, it was about the, who was going to have a seat at the table mm-hmm. because he didn't go to all, so uh, uh, all meat buffet after that. He went to Cornelius's mm-hmm. house and God yeah. blew mm-hmm. the door open to ministry right. <laughs> to the Gentiles and people that, that weren't Jews. And yet you see how easy it is to drift back to sameness because in Galatians 2, he gets reprimanded by Paul for when the Jews are around, he goes to sit with the Jews, right? He gets back to people that maybe not even just look like you, but think like you, vote like you. It's so easy to build echo chambers, halls of mirrors, right? Mm -hmm. And that doesn't just hurt your growth as an individual. It hurts the church. It hurts the culture. So for me, like the idea of one table is who has a seat at that table. And hopefully if you're hosting a table, it's people that don't always think like you, yeah. don't look like you, don't always vote like you, and yet you can still share a table with them yeah. and be in unity. Mm-hmm. Like it. Mm-hmm. David, you know? come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, very similar to the rest of you guys. I feel like um, the idea of one table, right? Like there, there's a place of unity. It's one table, and yet there are many seats or multiple seats at the table. 
where everybody at the table gets to retain their individuality and their preferences, like mm -hmm. you guys have been saying about just different dishes and different perspectives um, that you bring. For me, I think, you know, one way we can look at this table is a metaphor of the church, you know, that there's one church <laughs> and many mm -hmm. parts um, or, you know, one body, uh, many parts. And, and in a similar kind of way, you know, there's really one table that we as the church, all of us are Christians here, right, that, um, that we belong to or come to um, where we talk, where we live. Uh, and yet, when we come to that table, we get to retain our individuality. We get to retain the things that make us us. And so while um, the table is a symbol of unity, it's not a symbol of uniformity, That's mm -hmm. right? That there's um, a oneness to it uh, that, you know, people can see visually, but but also hopefully that there's a diversity that, that people can see and that we can experience and um, protect as we have these conversations with each other. So, um, so yeah, so that's one table. <laughs> um, so, so I guess the, the next question then kind of out of that is what brings you specifically to this table? Um, mm. if one table for us means a, a place where we all come together, um, as we are, you know, why are we here? <laughs> What's the purpose? What's the point of coming to this specific table? Hmm. I think, I, mean, I know for me, uh, we all bring our life experiences mm -hmm. to this table with the variety of topics that we're going to talk about. But I look at it um, like this. Yeah, we have the table and sometimes we're going to be coming to the table to just eat. But sometimes we may have to come to the table to flip it. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. And and I know that that's kind of bust it. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> or, or, or or clean some stuff up. And I just know that that's kind of how I am as a person. Like I sometimes I'm there to just eat, and sometimes I'm there to oh, agitate it. Sometimes I'm there to hey, let's move this table around. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what I bring to the table. That's like my. You know, just with history and then with what I do, you know, doing music and stuff. So being able to be the creative that I am, bring that element to it. And, of course, through the lens of, you know, the gospel, I think that's part of my experience that I'll bring to the table. Just adding more to the gumbo of all the stuff that's at the table to eat. What about you, Juice? I'm next. I guess I would say just an ongoing passion for unity and unity amidst diversity my mom always likes to point back to when i was like seven years old in our dodge caravan just shouted up to the front of the van randomly hey why don't we have any black friends just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she was taking it back it was one of those kids say the darnest things that she's never forgotten and it was so just like good. at seven i already realized like society is so separate yeah like whether it's churches yeah. or districting whatever it is or for whatever reason at seven i didn't understand all those things so much was separate but what you don't understand at seven is you just assume it's all equal. But then as you come up, you realize, oh, mm. you know, I, I was raised in a culture where white is the baseline, it's the norm, it's the standard. Yeah. And I got to live with that, dare I say, privilege, right? Mm. And, and white privilege doesn't mean that we didn't have lumps. My father was a carpenter, blue collar family. But those lumps and those hard times were never caused by the mm. color of my skin. skin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, that I've never lost that heart. I know my mom had a, a powerful conversation with me last summer because she homeschooled us through, homeschooled me through middle school. And she was like, do you think we failed you? 
because wow. she taught me history. And there was wow. so much missing. Wow. And yeah, my wow. parents had been on a journey where they were reading like Just Mercy, Stand from the Beginning. And, and it's really, last year you're talking about? Yeah, the last two years or so. Mm. And really wrestling with, you know, wrestling with repentance, wrestling wow. with yeah. what do we do now? And that just speaks to like the wrestling we have to do, especially as white people. Mm. And those were people mm. I shared tables with as a kid. So that's why I'm here, I guess, was the question. Yeah. Why, why are you here? Yeah, I think, or, you know, what brings you to the table? I think um, for me, just, you know, it's 2021 <laughs> and the the climate in our country of just tension, racial tension, tension around racism and um, words like white supremacy and privilege and mm -hmm. things like that that are coming up in, you know, kind of like the cultural ethos or whatever, like, um are kind of forcing people to have these conversations. Right. And I know for me, it's been really eye-opening in light of, you know, these past really 10 years of seeing on full display on social media, you know, um, injustices, right? Like like um, the killing of unarmed black men by police, like seeing that in living color in real time um, has affected me right in a mm -hmm. way that has been deep and then i look around on facebook or wherever and i see that a lot of my christian brothers and sisters aren't feeling the same or or are, are struggling to understand why i yeah. feel the way i feel and so i know that for me in the past i don't know maybe five years or so um just been kind of coming to the table more and more um to to not ignore what's going on out there in the world and our culture, um, but to talk about it <laughs> and um, to, yeah, to just, I think sometimes the, the church, quote unquote, you know, with a capital C, we do a bad job of coming to the table around issues like this um, that I'm talking about, right? Like mm. racism and white privilege and, um, and we, we come to the table for, communion <laughs> you know and 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 we kind of ignore our diverse perspectives there and then we leave and and we don't mm -hmm. talk about the other stuff mm -hmm. um and at the end of the day we all live in this flesh we all are a part of this world and so we have to come to the table more often than um communion obviously this is not to replace that but it's yeah. um to supplement that um you know anyway what about you <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I, I'm. I, I will say two things. I, I want to what you just said about communion yeah. just resonated with me. This isn't supposed to replace, obviously, the Lord's Supper, right? Because exactly, of the yeah. sacredness of that. But this is supposed to be the fruit of the Lord's Supper, exactly. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Is, yeah. is when is is that if 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 we're sharing in that meal, we should be willing to share in these tables, right? Because the disciples, right, they met for more than just yes. communion. Like yes. when they broke bread together, when the Bible talks about breaking bread, it is for communion, but also it's for conversations like this, real life yeah. conversations. So communion didn't scatter. Right. Communion gathered. Right. 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 And uh, so I might preach on that soon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Somebody, we should have a little pad we can write that down. Right, right, right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I think f there's two things. So I've been thinking yeah. about this question a lot. One of them is I want to talk about where I've come from as a person and a man. And, and then I, I want to talk about where I'm going. 
and 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 just I wasn't planning on sharing this, but I as we were as I was listening to you all share, my father you know passed away in 2014, and uh, and so you know part of his passing was going through all the photos, all the black and we you know we've got black and right. white films. Right. We we went and found a I guess it's a is it eight millimeter projector at a thrift store down here on off of Main Street so we could play you wow. know, some of those yeah. those movies. We hung a sheet up, you know, a big white sheet right, in right. our dining room at my mom's house and we're just watching them. And uh, I remember coming across a photo of my dad. Um, they had just built the house that I grew up in. My mom still lives there today down in Verina. Uh, and they were so proud of that first home and he had just... The, the photo looks like he had just put the mailbox in, mm-hmm. which is across the street from the house, you know, different mailbox, same spot as it, as it was uh, probably in the early sixties when they built that house. And in the photo behind my dad, there's a little Confederate flag emblem on the mailbox. Right. Now, if you knew my father, you would have right. never, that's never been a part of his journey and his story, right? Mm-hmm. He's always been one of the most loving, caring men that you would ever meet. He wasn't a Christ follower then, and uh, that happened in the probably early 70s. And, uh, but it's just a reminder to me that there is something subtle. There's a, there was an undercurrent mm-hmm. in my life growing up mm-hmm. that, that, was, that was not overt, yeah. right? But it's part of my story, right? right? It's part of my history um, as, as, as a person. And, uh, and so... I'm growing out of that and I'm learning to recognize that even though no one told me that people of color were less, it was a feeling that was understood that we never talked about. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the pool, the neighborhood pool that, you know, it was called Anaraf cause we're clever. That's for Rhino spelled backwards. And, uh, cause that's how we roll in Verina, right? I remember as a teenager, there were no people of color at the school. Now, mm. I went to it in Verona High School was a very diverse high school back mm. then, right? But there were no people of color at that pool and wow. it never crossed my mind, not one time, wow. right? Mm. And I remember being a teenager here my parents talking about this controversy that was at the pool because a black family had applied and they were and the pool was trying to figure out how they could tell them no. Wow. Because, you know, that wow. Wow. You didn't, those were, you lived in two worlds, right? And, and, and I remember thinking that's odd, but it didn't bother me. Hmm. It didn't bother me and it should have. Right. And, uh, so, so I, so I hope that that's what I'm going to bring to this table or conversations about where I, I, I've been. I I would say conversation where I'm, where I'm going is just this, this passion and frustration that, um, just because we're not with each other doesn't mean that we can't be for each other. You know, Warren mm-hmm. Matthews, one of my dear friends who we met when we first came here to Newport News, he and his wife, Sandy, he would always say that to me, Fred, when you're right, I'm with you. And when you're wrong, I'm for you. Right. Yeah. That was his wow. way of saying, so, you know, our relationship is never at risk. And we, and we are now in a society. I've been a part of it. Regrettably it's part of my confession is that if, if you're not with me, then I'm going to be against you. Wow. And we're fed that from pulpits. Mm-hmm. We're fed that from cable news networks, right? Yeah. We're, we're fed that in our political arenas and, and, and just in our communities. 
And so part of what I want to bring is talking about my journey of learning that even if someone's not with me, I can still be for them. And, and, and I think society, especially the Christian community, has got to rediscover that because they had it in the early church. And the last mm. thing I'll say is Acts 15, where mm. you know the first big disagreement in the church, right? The mm-hmm. Judaizers yes. going up to Antioch and right. giving Paul and, and, and Barnabas trouble. And, uh, mm. and so their response to these Judaizers was, if God has accepted someone by giving him giving them his Holy Spirit, who are we to reject them? Mm-hmm. And and we've got to rediscover that mm-hmm. as the body of Christ. That's so good. Yeah, to, to, as you were talking about, um, being how we can not agree with you but still be in for you, I think that's another thing that I'm, I believe I'm bringing to the table with mm-hmm. my experience as a black person that does a lot of things in, throughout my whole life done a lot of things in majority white spaces. And in America, um, in our society, when they when you see a black person that operates in a lot of majority white spaces, mm-hmm. um, most of the time you think you think multiple things, but mainly it's that person there is a token and they are mm-hmm. there and they are strictly yeah. there for financial gain and they're they're assimilating to the majority culture, which is a yeah. white culture. And I want to be able to be an example of, no, that's not the case with mm-hmm. me. You may think it is because of what you see on the outside, but yeah. once you get inside and see what I'm actually doing, I'm actually here resisting the system mm-hmm. at all costs. So it's not I'm not here to just to assimilate into just being here for financial self gain, thinking that white is right. So now I've achieved. Because now I'm in majority white spaces, right, right. and wow. then I'm staying here. So most people think that when when you see a black person in a majority space, they're being held there because hmm. they don't want to lose money, or they're there because they think that that's the better way, or that's the best way. And that's right. not what I'm doing. And that's a big thing that I wrestle not internally, but mm. with outside people, with them understanding why I'm where I am, doing what I do. Um, so that's that's another thing that I'm bringing to the table, yeah. that perspective of, no, I can be here and challenge the system without um, throwing away everybody yeah. that's there at the table. You, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I can still be at the table with you without throwing you away because just yeah. like we as black people um, don't want majority white America or just the world period to think that black people are monolithic. Mm-hmm. We can't do the same thing with That's white good. people. Exactly. Yeah. All white people are not such and such. Just like yeah. all black people are not such and such. All right. Asian American people are not such and such. Mm-hmm. So being able to bring that perspective to the table and doing it genuinely without, oh, he's just saying that because he don't want to get fired. You know what I'm saying? Like being able right. to bring that true, authentic um, perspective is another mm-hmm. big thing that I, that I hope to bring to the table. Yeah. I think maybe we can stay on that because we kind of started getting into it already with your story about just growing up in Verina and what you just shared, Chris. But um, specifically, you know, there are things that that draw us to this table. But when we come here, we we there are things that we bring, right? Perspective, right. history, experience. And you touched on a, a lot of that, Chris. Um, so, like, I know for me, and I'm glad that you brought up the fact that, you know, the black community is not, like, monolithic. 
you know, for me, what I bring to this table is the fact that I am, um, I, I, I'm a black man, but I'm a biracial black man mm-hmm. um, who has spent the majority of my life in predominantly white spaces. Right. I mean, I, I was born in West Philadelphia, uh, you know, and I've always lived in black neighborhoods um, growing up. But when I moved to Virginia in middle school, you know, uh, predominantly white schools and predominantly white uh, church and um I know that for me, for all of my life, being a biracial man, uh, living in predominantly black neighborhoods, but being raised by a white mom, mm. right? Like I have had to my entire life had this conversation. I, you know, um, the the white side of me and the black side of me have had to talk <laughs> a lot throughout my life to kind of bring reconciliation and to figure stuff out and. You know, so for me, there, I, I, um, in order to exist, I've had to hold in tension mm. these two, yeah. I guess, sides um, or perspectives worlds, or, yeah. or traditions, two worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I bring that because, you know, I, I think the reality is that even if you are biracial in America, you know, you can look at the one drop rule, you can look at one eighth or whatever but mm-hmm. like you know if you got a little bit of black in you you black right, right? and so <laughs> when people see me and they hear me talk about things like this the, yeah. the immediate perspective is well you haven't weighed the other side and i mm-hmm. i i have to you know um so so that's part of it for me and then just touching on that that piece about just being in predominantly white spaces mm-hmm. you know what's different for me um and you chris is like you've grown up in the black church and i haven't like i've grown mm-hmm. up in the white church and I, 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 there definitely have been times in the past, you know, few years where I'm like, <laughs> did I, have I made the wrong choice, right? Like, would it be more comfortable for me to be in another space where my mm. skin color and uh, mm. wouldn't be a hindrance or an obstacle? But I'm committed, you know, to, to this evangelical tradition that I've grown up in. You know, I, I've realized there are a lot of political things that have attached themselves to evangelicalism no. <laughs> you <true>. don't say <laughs> that don't aren't, say. aren't so healthy but <laughs> but in terms of like theologically the evangelical tradition like i'm with that most yeah. of it and so i'm trying to be a redeeming voice a repentant voice hmm. within this tradition i don't want to leave you know yeah. and and bring people with me i want to stay and Come have on. conversations about how can we be better yeah. Um, mm-hmm. as an evangelical church. So that's what I'm bringing to the table. <laughs> well, yeah, if we're talking perspectives you bring to the table, I mean, yeah. I would start by saying I have a limited perspective and then let me come full circle. Um, if I don't get distracted by the fact you said West Philadelphia and now the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> <Born and raised. laughs> I was late for it. Can't even think straight anymore. But uh, talked about, I mean, I already talked about, uh, you know, I was homeschooled through eighth grade. You know, went to high school and was a knucklehead. And then I went to college at William & Mary and my roommates in college were black. So just because I was hanging out with them, they're my best friends. They eat lunch in the Office of Multicultural Affairs every day. So I was eating lunch in the Office of Multicultural Affairs every day. And they, you know, turn off Madden and go to an African-American male coalition meeting. So I'll be like, all right, let me go help plan some events. So I was at African-American male coalition meetings and a lot of cultural society, African cultural society uh, events. So I say that because Mm -hmm. in college, just simply by loving my friends, I came to realize, oh, there are many different experiences outside of my own obviously we yeah. we kind of grasp that but then when you actually begin to do life with them 
realize just how different they are. Mm. You know, my, my best man, born and raised in Brooklyn, and then I made another friend in college that immigrated from Ethiopia. Their two life experiences wow. are, are vastly yes. yeah. sure. different. And they all have different perspectives based on those. Mm. And then also when you're married, where you get to choose what you learn, taking African-American history classes and African-American li literature classes, where you realize, oh, there's a, a history mm. I didn't even fully learn. Not, not always pretty things. Some of the stuff that's been swept under the rug that mm -hmm. I didn't learn, mm -hmm. you know, when I was yeah. K through 12. And so just that was a big experience in college. And so then I go in, and get saved my senior year. So. Wow. This whole kind of socio-political transformation happened right as right I, I became a Christian. So I never, you talk about attachments, I didn't really settle into some of the white evangelical or mm -hmm. nationalist leanings. Mm -hmm. Until um, after. Until after. Yeah. But I've also had the privilege of doing church with people, again, that have vastly different perspectives, not yeah, just based good. on skin color. Planted a church with a sheriff and a police officer. Right? I don't wake up every day putting on a badge, hoping to love my neighbor, serve my community with all the risks attached to that. Yeah. I don't know what that's like. Right. And I don't know what it's like to wake up a, a, a black man. Mm. And as I talk to some of my friends, hug my wife longer and my kids tighter mm -hmm. because somebody who looked like me just didn't make it home yesterday. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know that. And again, part of the power of one table is mm. I've been at tables with people that have different perspectives. And you yeah. realize my perspective, it might not be wrong, right? Yeah. Because it's based on my valid yeah. life experience but it's so narrow you just widen the lens mm. by mm. doing life with people that again so are different than you their perspectives are different they might vote different and it's not wrong yeah, <laughs> it's just true. based on how their entire life their entire life experience so mm. again yeah. i have a limited perspective but you just realize when you sit at these tables mm. how it adds to it yeah, yeah. what i want to know is at what point in college did you start wearing them do rags and because I've seen, I Never, seen the Never, because I would have been cut up by everybody I hung out with. Now, that's good. You know, the perspective aspect of it, like talking about kind of your upbringing and stuff. What a lot of people don't know about me is that this living life with in a diverse, through a diverse lens is not something that just happened six, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. I went to right. a private white Christian school from kindergarten all the way to sixth grade. So I was out of, and it was a K through 12 school. So out of the whole school, it was probably five black kids the whole time that I was there, you know, fluctuating in and out. So I grew up going to school, a private Christian school with white people all day and then going to all black church NAACP yeah. meetings on mm. the evening. So my life has always been a life of diverse living. So it's not like, oh, this is just something that I just got on six, seven years ago. Like I've been doing that my whole life. So I have yeah. a perspective of growing up in that kind of environment, it, growing up in two different environments um, because I would have to go to school. Um, my white Christian school didn't talk about anything about Black History Month. Yeah. But then I would go to church and we'd be talking about that for a whole month. Um, just different different things. Like, I mean, the songs that we sang for chapel at my white Christian school wow. were nothing like the songs I huh. sang on Sunday morning at church. Um, even dressing for church. I mean, in the black tradition, you go to church on Sunday, you wearing really good clothes, you dress up. On chapel, on, I'll never forget it was Wednesdays. 
you know, I would be dressing up for chapel and everybody else got flip-flops and shorts. And I'm like, we're going to church. What are y'all doing? So I've always been able to be in two worlds at the same time. Um, you know, I would get teased by my black church friends because I was doing stuff that society would say white people would do. Like, I grew up playing soccer and field hockey. Like, black people don't do that. Not supposed to do that. But then I would get teased by the white kids at my school because I would wear – um, that was in the late 80s so I was wearing medallions and I had a Gumby haircut like Bobby Brown so they were like what is wrong with your hair you know so I would catch it from every angle so that I have a perspective that a lot of people don't necessarily get yeah. to live with you know what I mean so mm -hmm. like that's we were just talking about perspective that you're bringing to this table I think I'm bringing that as well so this is not something that I'm just that's new this right. is a, really a lived experience you know what I mean so yeah one table. We here. We here. This good. is the table. <laughs> this is the table. That's been good. Anything anybody want to add or no, man? Little little shout out to Vanessa for making these uh, shelves look look nice. Yeah, look yeah you know, we had a little help. So a little, little help. With the interior in design. You know, it wasn't we us. Did that, the answer to that is no. <laughs> With the interior design. Uh, I don't know if we'll be like recommending books every podcast. Yeah. Obviously, we highlight some up here. We got some back here. But you guys just talking again and again about right. two worlds. Mm. And what is it? Between the world and me is a great book. Mm. If you yeah. want to just, again, broaden that perspective. Ooh. Oh, you throwing them in all the way. Right. I like books. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I might write one, one every, every pod. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Oh, yeah, all we'll right. See. Read that one, and then you're gonna have to come back for the follow up. Yeah, there you go. You're gonna be hurt. I'll, I'll give a nod too to the color of law. That was that was a turning point book. For That's me. good. Mm -hmm. A turning point book for me. Yeah. A light went off when I read that. Mm. So wow. that's good. I know our good friend Steve Ruggiero would say for him when he read the Myth of Equality, Myth of Equality. a light went off for him. Such mm -hmm. a good book. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so, a good balance of history and theology. I think it's yeah. good. So I, I hope one table. Becomes that for people. Yeah. A light will go off yeah. for them. It's good. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Yep. Yeah, man. We're here. We're here. We're doing it. Yes, we are. <laughs> so I guess we, this is it, huh? That's it. I guess we'll, we'll see them next time at the table, huh? We'll see you next time. At the table. One table. One table. One table. One table.